1: <laughs>
0: The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting
1: heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK, and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, Go to gerbergear.com
0: and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the gator premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods, and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have.
1: We're also proud to partner with Sitka Gear, and if you go to sitkagear.com, you'll see their full line of clothing, and their tagline is Turning Clothing Into Gear, and they are doing that through advanced technology that allows you to stay in the field longer, hunt harder, and stay safer.
0: The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. Um... The, the Insider is changing how haunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the Insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop.
1: And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code Elk Talk, and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it.
0: Hey, folks, I told you that we uh, have a repeat guest here who I think is the Charlie Daniels of the technical clothing <laughs> world, John Barclow. He was, John, you were just heading out on a big British Columbia hunt last time we hooked up. Oh, that's man. right.
2: That's right. Uh, yeah. And you, you uh, got to gotta bring that up, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I,
0: I didn't know how, how it went. So. It, it was a
2: grand adventure, I will tell it, you that. It was
0: a big adventure? Well, yeah. that's part of the fauna going, right? Yep, yep, is the absolutely. adventure side. But uh, last time we talked about uh synthetics versus merino and then we got into sleeping bags synthetics versus downs i i did i tell you this i went out and bought a synthetic sleeping bag the next day after the podcast i did wow you you talked me into it (laughs) so uh maybe you should be in sales instead of the technical product design part Uh, No, that's... (laughs) You'll pass? I'm going to pass on Uh, that one. So after, uh, by way of introduction, folks, uh, if you go listen to that podcast, I can't remember which one it is, but John, your title at Sitka is what? Big game product manager. Big game product manager. Yeah. Really, he's the mad scientist. If you go over where he and Eric are at, over at headquarters, it's like the skunk works. It is, that's what I call it. Yeah. Oh, do you? (laughs) And uh, anyhow, after you were on last time, everybody, not everybody, but we got so many emails saying, hey, I want to know a little bit more about uh, outer layers and membranes and, whoa. Whether waterproof versus DWR for rain gear and and other shells, so
2: I don't know if that's something you're wanting to talk about today. But. Yeah, and anytime I can try to enlighten or educate the consumer, I'm I'm all about that. Cool. Um, well, I, I can't guarantee I'm going to do that, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Last time I think I told you talking synthetic and merino and down versus uh, synthetic insulations like talking. Uh, politics and religion at a cocktail party, right. like, not advised. But, yeah. yeah. But, but, I, but I've never just, been called a smart guy, so let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just
0: you and I, right? Yeah. So right, just if, you they, and I. if they get mad, they're going to get mad at me. Okay. <laughs> so Corey was supposed to be here with us, folks, but Corey. Was suffering serious ailments the last few days, and we told him stay home. But I just got a text saying, "Oh no, I'll be there. I'll be there later <laughs> today." So uh, we don't have Corey here, so we can pick on him all we want. All right. Um, well, this is such a great
2: show. I know why he's gonna make it. You know, yeah. I mean, you hate to miss this. Yeah. The show and it's growing. It's amazing. It's growing every year. Yeah. There's it's just a lot fantastic. of people
0: here. Our, our audience, uh, you know,
2: the, the type of people that we touch
0: are here in in big numbers in Salt Lake. So it's, uh, it's good for us to come here and promote our public land message and our yeah. self-guided message. And yeah, uh, we're fortunately folks we're here. We got John an hour before the show actually opened, <laughs> so this is gonna be the most quiet podcast of all the ones we do today. I'm pretty sure of that so but with that let's jump right into uh outer layers. So I go to Alaska a lot, southeast alaska it's It's not quite as bad as where you hung out in Alaska up in Kodiak, but outer layers you always get people say, "Well, I want." 100% waterproof, quiet layer yeah. of rain gear. Is yeah. it possible? Physic, you know, if the, do the laws of
2: physics allow it? To a point. To a point. But there's always a give and a take. Okay. Right. So, um, you can make you can make something quiet or quieter. Yep. And make it 100% waterproof. So we have something in our line called the Thunderhead. Yep. So that's that's a three layer in that case, Gore-Tex, but it's got a quiet face on it. Yep. Quiet as we can make it. Yep. But I wouldn't recommend that layer for a backpack hunter. So what I mean by that is, somebody who's gonna go out multiple days, spend time in a tent, and maybe in clement weather, because what you're giving up by having that quiet face is it's always gonna be a little heavier, yep. and maybe a little more, take up a little more room in your pack. Yep. And then that face is gonna be prone to uh, attracting debris yeah. It's not necessarily always going to be as durable, but then ultimately that face, even though the, you theoretically won't get wet or the garment won't absorb the water, the face of Whoa. that will, and it'll get heavier and then it'll get heavier. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think so I by one to- of your leading questions, we'll get into this, but when you have water sitting on the face of a, any kind of waterproof laminate, yeah. it, it, it. Really drastically starts to cut down on breathability. Okay. So there's, it's a spec. I would call that a specialized piece, not something I would recommend for a backpack hunter. Okay. The the thing I th- forgot
0: to throw in there is people also say I want it to weigh six ounces.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So okay, that <laughs> no, that is impossible. It, cur- currently, with what we are dealing with, and and you know, it's uh, because uh, obviously as hunters we want or we seek to get as quiet a garment as we right. can. Yeah. But it's also you know, unless like what uh, my whitetail cohort Chris did with some of the whitetail stuff coming out next year and actually prove it with science of sound, um, it's an opinion. Yeah. So, one, you know, it might be acceptably quiet for you, but not acceptably quiet for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, right now it's really tough to make something what I would call acceptably quiet to the masses in a super lightweight package that I would feel comfortable saying, yeah, you can go out for multiple days or 10 days in your case, maybe on a sheep hunt, yeah. um, and, and take that garment. It's just, okay. I haven't seen anything yet. Okay. so Because with your product
0: line, I mean,
2: I end up with the Stormfront
0: as my versatile. If, it, if Hurricane Katrina is coming on in, yep. I'm going to stand right there with that product. It's super breathable, super durable. I mean, I look at the places I go in Alaska through yeah. the, the Devil's Club and everything else. And it just, it, it holds up. It just keeps performing. So, and then I have some some other lightweight items where maybe in August or September when you get those afternoon thunder bursts, something super, super lightweight. Yeah. But just all I need is it to, to work for about 10 minutes. Right. And rappel and I'll be back off and running again.
2: Yeah, if you're going into those what I like to call dynamic weather environments that those Alaska, Canadian, even New Zealand type of environments. I mean, you have to have the best rain gear, quite frankly, you can afford because that is literally your first layer of protection from the elements, you know, from snow, from wind, from rain. Um, You don't want it to leak. You want it to be durable. And ideally for the money you're going to spend, you want it to last more than you know one trip yeah. or even one season you know <laughs> i have guides wearing the storm front that you mentioned and they're getting 2 and 3 years out of it and spending 200 days a year in the field so right. i feel real comfortable saying you know for for you know the the hunter that's spending 30 or 45 days in the field he's going to get he's going to get tired of the jacket or the pant before it wears, wears out, out on him yeah. yeah and that's you know you mentioned the bc moose hunt but uh, just because of the weather we had, you know, I was wearing that it's actually updated for 2019. And it is, Does that mean
0: it, I get a new pair?
2: Yeah. I got to yeah. come over to the Skunk yeah. Works lab. Yeah. We reduced some weight, increased the breathability and durability. Okay. Um, it's really cool. So it's what, really cool. let's talk quickly, brought up a really cool
0: point there, breathability, because yeah. when I go to Alaska, a lot of times I see people who take what they're wearing when they're commercial fishing their right. rubber PVC type right. rain gear. In my experience is that stuff doesn't breathe as well as I'd like it if I'm going to be climbing up to the alpine through the jungle brush from the,
2: the coast. Right. In, well, in a the reality like is that's not what you mentioned isn't going to breathe at all. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially rubberized, <laughs> you know, cotton in, in a lot of cases right. or, or something along those lines, but. So how do you get breathability? Yeah. So not, not to go too in depth, but essentially you have this membrane, um, most cases, or in our case, it's this, um, basically Teflon, right? That's, that's stretch and has little holes in it. And the holes are large enough for, for moisture to move through from the inside out, but not large enough for raindrops to work their way in. And it, it, it's not, it's not just as easy as that laminate. There's a lot of things that go with it. So you put a face textile, which you see on the outside. Mm -hmm. So that provides durability. And then you apply a a DWR of some type, so that's durable water repellent finish. So those are the things that make it, the snow or rain, bead and run off, so it doesn't absorb those, those uh, that, that moisture. And that's something you have to retreat over time. Yeah. Um, and then you normally have a, uh, a back, or we call it on the inside, again, to kind of protect that laminate. So those three things, that sandwich, like it's really... Um, It's really quite detailed how you pick all those things and different weights and et cetera to give the best performance to that that membrane in the middle. And in this, you know, in our case, it's Gore-Tex, but... um, And and so that membrane is the ticket to breathability. It it is, but I... I I, I see you're giving a qualifier here. Yeah, well, (laughs) what I want to say is it's not... So I like to say that... um, the hunter needs to be an active participant in this event. And, and what I mean by that is <laughs> okay. um, I can sell you a jacket and I can tell you it does all these things, but it really behooves the, the hunter to educate themselves on how and why it works so that when they're in the field, they can modify or adjust what they're doing to get the best performance out of the jacket. So what I mean by that is if I put a Stormfront jacket on, me and you, and we start not that you and I are going to do this, but let's argumentatively say we're 20 years younger and we're going to start running up the mountain. Okay. Yeah, right? I'm not going to do that. So but. at a certain point, you are going to overwhelm that rain layer. And if you can imagine, there's only those holes are only so large and there's only so many of them. So only so many can get through at a time. Molecules of, of co- moisture. Co- correct. Yep. Molecules of moisture. And it's going to overwhelm it and it's going to start building up on the inside while everybody's trying to get out you know, the door of the concert hall, so to speak. Yeah. So at that point, the hunter has to understand that and regulate his pace to not overwhelm the system, right? To not sweat. And I call it a vicious cycle. This is a whole rabbit hole we could go down oh, later. I, but I'm into rabbit holes. But, so what are you doing when you're overwhelming that system? You're not only going to get wet from the inside out, like literally you're going to make yourself wet with your own sweat, but you're also now dehydrating yourself prematurely so, it starts to send you down this, put to, like I say, this vicious circle where, you know, maybe if you don't hydrate and you keep pushing, like it's going to, you know, lead maybe to some bad things. Yeah. So, instead of running up the mountain, we would regulate our pace and hike up at a reasonable pace to not sweat, and then that moisture is going to move through because, and I've said this in the past, but I really can't overstate this, that your body, let's say, it's always 98.6, so your body is the engine, your body is the heat source mm-hmm. that is going to push these, these water, uh, this moisture, these water molecules right out. So it's going to be pushed out and seek this balance, this equilibrium, and so almost inevitably it's not 98.6 outside, right. so it's going to want to move through, and your body, the, we call it uh, the temperature gradient, right, your body is, the heat is gonna push that moisture through. So if all of a sudden you get to, you know, we're running and it's 102 now inside that garment and there's only so many spots for the molecules to go through, it's gonna get overwhelmed. So when people wear, and I saw it a lot in Alaska and I, I, I'm i guessing you have too now because uh, you mentioned it, but when people wear like a Grundens or some PVC coated yep. uh, cotton, it doesn't breathe at all. Like there's literally no, no holes for the moisture to move through. Right. So, I mean, I I personally don't feel that that is um, a smart decision, Mm -hmm. but because I know a little bit and, and let's say that's all I had, I could regulate my pace and I could put layers on underneath to somehow, let's say, mitigate right? The, the lack of performance of that garment. So a lot of times what you see with people, well, at least I saw with people that were doing that is they would just literally run around in their base layer underneath that PVC coated ring gear because they knew they were going to get wet. They knew they were going to <laughs> get hot. But again, all you're doing is prematurely dehydrating yourself. And you know, you go on a 10 day sheep hunt, like yeah. you need to kind of pace yourself and not burn out the first day or two, because you want, you know, maybe that opportunity you're going to get is on day 10. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of, I'm a little all over the board, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that like it's, I've, I've called it my crusade, but if, you know, if I can help educate hunters to understand what's going on and why it's going on, Mm -hmm. then they can then modify or regulate what they're doing at that point in time to get the best performance out of whatever system they're wearing got it well that's for
0: me as somebody who hunts in all different conditions i i anymore i'm such a wuss i try not to hunt in the rain i'll admit that but you go to certain places you're just hunting in the rain
2: you just know it i mean it we we
0: did uh, sitka blacktails in the southeast last august and it was torrential uh, what does it get
2: like an average of 500 inches a year or so something <sighs> like that? No that, idea. In that it's area, some, it's just it insane. Seemed, if
0: it rained as hard twice a twice a week as it did for the week we were there, yeah. I mean, Tyler Johnerson was one of the camera guys. And yeah, he, we just batting down the hatches, and Tyler he, he said, "You know, I don't think I've ever been in anything
2: this torrential for this wow. long." And so, but you are in vegetation too, right? right? So yeah. it's not like you you're like you're just constantly in it.
0: Yeah, and it's steep. Really 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 steep country so it's yeah. exerting and you got every kind of deadfall dirt <laughs> jig, limb uh, devil's club grabbing at you so you need that mix of durability yeah breathability and it just it's
2: an application that, that those pieces work fantastic those, for uh, <laughs> those uh oh. those alder and salmonberry jungles that I don't know if I uh, was the first one in the world to coin the term but I'll, I'll take credit for it. I should make t-shirts and I just say hike angry.
0: Like that's all you can do,
2: <laughs> you know? It's like channel your inner beast, like just hike angry cuz
1: I remember say the that. first
2: time I remember the first time I was going up. I actually ended up killing my biggest blacktail ever on that trip, but I remember going up a slope through alder and being so humbled when I realized that there was literally vegetation that I could not get through. Like, I literally had to find a way around it. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. Uh, on our way off the mountain, we could
0: hear the waves crashing on the beach. Yeah. And we're way up there. But I guess we're maybe 300 feet elevation is all above it, but it <laughs> takes forever. And I'm yeah. picking our way through there. And finally, when you say hunt angry, this, this is what makes me laugh about it. Tyler says, "Screw this!" And I just hear this busting and thrashing and falling. And finally, I hear way down there, "I made it." <laughs> kind of <laughs> in a tone of, "I'm not sure if it was worth it, but yeah, I made it." I
2: got hit with a thousand baseball bats on the way down. But um, yeah, but so, you know, uh, go ahead. No, you. I, I was going to say, but um, there, there's one other thing I want to I want to mention because people have sometimes people have. Um, unrealistic expectations of what what a product can do. And so, mm-hmm. you know, another thing that, that I say is there is no Superman's cape. And what I mean by that is you can buy, you know, our product, you can buy another brand's product, it doesn't matter, but there's no product in the world that you can just put on and expect it to do everything for you, right? So it's not gonna help you hike up the mountain. It's not gonna, you know, keep you warm. If you, you have to understand and have a little bit of education and, and go out and try it a little bit. Um, so the environment you mentioned in Southeast, when you have a really humid environment that you're operating in, mm-hmm. let's say in that case, I would I would argue that if it wasn't 100% humidity, it was really close, close right? right. Yeah. And a very high dew point. Yep. So I talked about the moisture inside the garment that you are creating wants to go through and seek this equilibrium or stasis yeah um, if it 's a hundred percent humid on the outside in the environment you 're working in mm-hmm. there 's a little there 's a little push from your from your temperature but the molecules don't really need to go anywhere because it's 100% humid on the outside. So just like it almost is on the inside. Exactly, so that that gradient is so much lower now. And again, if you understand that as a hunter and go, well, why isn't this Gore-Tex jacket, you know, just crushing it and moving all this moisture again, you need to understand and be an active participant in this activity and say, you know what? It's super humid out. The dew point's crazy high. The efficiency of this system is, is, um, is uh, restricted. Because of that, I need, to, I need to change what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. Yeah. Conversely, if we're going, and let's say the weather clears, let's say we're up on a sheep hunt. We're at some elevation, it clears, it's really cold and dry. All of a sudden, that garment just starts moving moisture like a champ. Yeah. Right? So again, I understand that. Maybe I can pick up my pace or whatever the case may be. But that's why people sometimes say, well, this jacket isn't working. Okay, well, there's a series of questions you have to start yeah. asking people yeah. to really dr- drill down and say, okay, what's happening here?
0: For those of us who took their first two years of uh, engineering like I did, we took these classes called heat and mass transfer And it talks, I mean, heat transfer is just like moisture transfer. So
2: you're telling me you're an accountant and an engineer?
0: Well, Damn, I did, an impressive I did guy. my first two years <laughs> of engineering, and then I went I went to this place called Arizona State University, <laughs> and then within two years, I was on academic probation. So I,
2: <laughs> Why, were you hunting too much?
0: I was. The, the dove and quail hunting was unbelievable. Bet it was. Plus, the other extracurricular activities were probably more than uh-huh. a hillbilly from northern Minnesota <laughs> was prepared for. <laughs> I could go into more detail. But sure, but we won't. Yeah. I don't want to ruin oh, the the That's Sitka great. brand and, and all the wonderful companies that make this spot <laughs> possible. I don't want to ruin it all at one time. So, but let's uh, just say you were an active participant. Yes, I, I, I was. Yes, I was aware of the surroundings and I was acti- actively participating. Uh, maybe too much. Uh, oh, uh, fantastic. But uh, no, it, it really is a lot about that reaching that equilibrium. So, if the internal temperatures and humidities and dew points are similar to what the externals are, you're not going to have the transfers yep, yep, is the yep, simple way to say. Exactly. But, <laughs> so uh, cold weather, outer layers. I'm. Yeah, everybody knows my elk hunting uniform is your Jetstream jacket. Mm-hmm. It's got wind stopper in it. Right. So
2: tell me what is wind stopper? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you mentioned this because I, I truly feel that wind stopper, is the most underrated technology in the outdoor space as yeah. a whole. I, so, I, I agree. You
0: guys yeah. sent me back to your Gore tech sessions back yeah. in your headquarters yeah. in, where is it, Delaware? Yeah. yeah. And you, all your PhD engineer guys come out yeah. and talk about this. And instantly I said, that Windstopper stuff, now I know why that works so well,
2: but anyhow. Yeah. So it, it, essentially just in a real basic form, um, because people say, well, what's the difference between a windstopper and a Gore-Tex? And, and there's, there's several things, one of which is, is the way the laminate is, is made. And the other is that sandwich I talked about, how it's put together. Yeah. Um, but, but essentially, the holes are larger in that, in that Teflon uh, to allow, again, it, it's providing you bigger doors to get that moisture out. But again, it's still preventing or giving you a barrier uh, from that wind, right, to, con- to uh, cut down on convective heat loss. But the sandwich is made in such a way that the entire thing is built to be breathable. So it's not just the laminate in the middle, it's the face, it's the backer together. But why I feel that it's an underrated technology is people say, well, I'm just going to put on my Gore-Tex jacket and I'm not going to spend the money to buy whatever windstopper jacket. So in your case, the Jetstream, where I would argue that my windstopper garment is my 90 or 95% solution. Yep. And I only need to put a Gore-Tex jacket on when it's raining so hard that it's starting to compromise that system or, you know, I'm a big fan of our mountain jacket so it doesn't have a hood. So if I need a hood then I go to my Gore-Tex jacket, but I can keep a steadier pace, I can move moisture better, I can be drier, all these things regulate my temperature far better with a windstopper product than a Gore-Tex product. So if you're going into the mountains, you have to have rain gear because there's nothing that's that's going to protect you better than that, but 90% of the time, I'm going to well, 100% of the time I'm going to have a windstopper layer with me. And there's a couple we have, so you can pick and choose. But I'm always going to take that, but 90% of the time, that's what I'm wearing. So, you know, you're sitting there on a glassy knob, the wind comes up. Yeah, you can put on a puffy layer, but a lot of times I just have that, that wind stopper jacket on, whatever it is. Yep. It cuts that wind. That's all I need. And right. then I can hike in it. I don't have to take on and off jackets as, as often. I, I think it's a really, um, and, and I probably haven't done a great job of, of uh maybe promoting it and educating people just on the technology, but I mean, you have a windstopper vest on right now. Yeah. Like it is an amazing piece for as light a weight as you can get and as little insulation as you can provide. People, um, you know, maybe they don't realize that just having that wind taken off your core in this case of you wearing the vest is yeah. all it needs to keep your body at a steady temperature or to throw your collar up like you have right now to keep the wind off your neck. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. But it's going to perform... Um, vastly, well, I'll say it more efficiently in more conditions than Gore-Tex ever would. And that's why I use it. I I can't explain the science, but
0: I'm a walking billboard for your Windstopper products because of what you mentioned from about mid-October to the end of season whether it's uh, elk hunting whether it's mule deer hunting wolf hunting mm-hmm. my outer layer is always going to be a windstopper because i yeah, like you were saying i can regulate Temperature and sweat yep. <laughs> thats what I call yep. it. <laughs>
2: you call it that's moisture? That's what it is. We can just, we'll call it, we'll call it sweat from henceforth, <laughs> okay. yeah. Uh,
0: I can regulate those so well with a windstopper garment. Yeah. And then when I get up there, very often we're hiking in the dark, we get to a glassing knob in these late season hunts, and quick as <laughs> quick as you get there, it seems like, wow, oh, the wind wasn't blowing that hard down right. low. You get up high, okay, you got a 15, 20 mile an hour wind, you want something that stops that effect, that heat loss effect of, right. I mean, because evaporation, because your your body, you've got evaporation going on with this moisture transfer. Right. That hurts the, the heat retention to Absolutely. Your, your core. And then you got the wind that just accelerates that. Right. If you have something that blocks all that, it's amazing how such a lightweight piece can provide as much
2: yeah. comfort as it does. Yeah. I've, I've heard... You know, so many people say, well, I, you know, I hike up to the top of a, you know, my glassy knob for whatever species. And of course, you know, everybody wants to get up there quick. And so they, they sweat and then they get up there and uh, inevitably, like you said, the wind's blowing and it doesn't have to be blowing all that much, (laughs) right? I mean, it's that, that wind will strip heat away quickly. And then they say, well, I'm chilled and I need to change base layers and all these kind of things. And I'm like, no, no, what you need to do is you need to either apply, in this case, a wind jacket, a really lightweight windstopper jacket, which will immediately stop what, what, what I call flashing off, right? Where you just, you stop and that wind comes up and it mm-hmm. literally just strips right. all that heat away and you become chilled very quickly. Yeah. Um, or you need to put up some type of puffy jacket on, right? Some loft and insulation, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But in certain cases, you need to actually have both. So yep. the loft almost isn't enough and you have to have that wind stopper. Um, you started I believe you started this conversation by saying is it possible or people want to have lightweight, quiet, durable rain gear and I said well that's pretty much impossible right. at this point in time but I would argue that you can have that in a windstopper product. Right. And again it's just because of the way it's you can construct it. Those products do exist. Yeah. Yep. And with my wind
0: stoppers, I don't know what DWR treatment you put on there, but it, even in torrential, not torrential, blizzard type snow, it, it sloughs off. You know, it's gotta be a pretty hard rain before I start getting worried about it. Right. And I know some people say, well, I'm not going to go back to the truck like you do, Newberg. And the reason I go back to the truck, if it's raining really hard for hours at a time, is I'm going to ruin $10,000 worth of production. Yeah, That's a very good point. So sometimes I, I bail maybe sooner than other people would. Um, But I've hunted in some Pretty good rain, just drizzling, miserable yeah, conditions. Yeah. And it, I don't know what kind of finish you put on there, but it beads and... Yeah, there's
2: and all kinds of DWRs. And, and, and it, interestingly enough, and I'm not a chemist, nor do I ever claim to be, but um, we're actually, Gore is working on, for for the entire industry, um, some, some much more environmentally friendly DWRs. Because um, apparently the ones kind of probably the good ones you and I liked 20 years ago yeah. weren't, weren't so good for the environment. Oh, really? So yeah, okay. they're actually doing a lot of work on that. I don't, I, I'm not very privy to any of that. I wouldn't understand it anyways. But okay. but the, but I would say a DWR is incredibly important to a windstopper or a uh, Gore-Tex product or any kind of laminate product. Um, and you do need to, uh, over time, you need to be able to retreat that. So, if, you know, I go on that moose hunt, 12 days, I'm riding, I've got my rain pants on, crushing through brush willow and all that, I needed to come back and retreat those because it literally just took that, that kind of, that treatment off the face yeah. and it'll still keep you dry. But like I said, when that face fabric begins to absorb water, remember that humid environment we talked about, the moisture isn't as prone to want to move through that, Got that it. garment. So what DWR do you apply to it? Uh, you know, I knew you were going to ask that. And, <laughs> I
0: don't. Um, I don't want you to pick a favorite or or get yourself in trouble. Yeah, if no, you want to say a range of them or ideas, there, there's a-
2: there's a there's a couple real good ones. Um, I've done the wash in product. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it, so. Let me uh, let me take one step back real quick. So first thing is, uh, do as I say, not as I do, because. Um, <laughs> I am absolutely a pig pen when it comes to rain gear and sleeping bags. Like, I literally never wash them. It's horrible. I know. So don't do that. But, but but what you should do to get the best, not only the life out of the garment, but the most performance is, like, again, when I come back from a trip or you come back from a dull sheep hunt, you actually should wash your rain gear. Yep. And at that point in time, even if it's not... Totally necessary. That's when you should retreat with some kind of aftermarket DWR treatment. So uh, you can do a wash-in product, um, and then you put it in the dryer, or you can do uh, one where you wash it and then spray it down. This is just, you know, I don't like I said I don't do it a lot, but uh, I have found that the spray-ons after washing work a little better for me. Okay. Um, And there's there's some good products, and you know, if people called our customer service, we actually recommend some. Okay. And we may even we may even um, send them some in some cases, but I believe ReviveX is one. Grangers has some really good products. You know, there's a couple yep. there's a couple good ones out there. Yeah, um, because I
0: I end up doing that regularly. Well, not yeah. right. Re- I'm like you. I say, <laughs> do, do as I say, not as I do. <clears throat> I would say probably every August, I think. All right. That's a great, I've, that's I've, a great time. I've had this storm front for three or four years. It's got this many terrible days of abuse. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that's when I'll end up applying it. Um, when you get to, uh, uh, th- talking about these outer garments, uh, pants are another one where it's, I, because I don't think we're perspiring as much there, it's probably, right. we're not as worried about it. But for me, a lot of times I'm walking in the morning and there's moisture, there's dew, there's whatever, or I, I let the storm clear off and now I'm wading through brush up to my thighs. Or the the most common one for me is I go and I sit down on a mm. rock to mm-hmm. glass, mm-hmm. and if you don't have a really good garment, yeah. you're gonna end up with itchy butt because <laughs> your, your butt's gonna get wet. <clears throat> and so, is there a whole different set of technologies and ideas that you gotta think about when you're when you're buying or in your case building the the products for yeah. pants compared to?
2: So, not necessarily the same the same laminates that we would use on a jacket or are very similar in the pants you know you obviously all your internal organs are in your your torso so yep. that's the one you really want to make sure you're regulating the most and obviously it gets hotter you know my legs necessarily don't need as much regulation but you yeah, have some full full zips um i i would say I'll, I'll i'll talk about a few things but one of the things i would say is uh that i see a lot of people not doing is not sitting on some kind of ground pad when they're going to sit down in glass. Yeah. And even, you know, when it's relatively warm outside, you know, that, that earth isn't as warm as you right. think. And it, it's it sucks got moisture. It sucks the heat right out of you. It's got moisture, all those kind of things, especially if you're sitting on rocks. Um, but we do have some products, you know, one of the pants has a water, one of our, um, soft shell pants does have a waterproof seat at the timberline i think i, you'd, I think you mentioned it i in fact i almost wore a pair of down here really from Montana. yeah I,
0: I wear those again that's that's my elk hunting uniform is yeah, yeah. timberline pants and as far as how cold it is i'll bring a base layer that i may put on if it gets cold but when i leave the truck no just the the timberline yeah. and i'm off and going and yeah, they're, they're a remarkable piece, and they're, you can abuse the living tar out of you those. You can abuse them. Again, as I say, not as I do, Yeah, I've never put a new finish <laughs> on any of my Timberline pans. <laughs> I and I and they just either. keep
2: working. They, I don't know if we should be admitting these things, but <laughs> even with all that abuse, Randy, it still works. But yeah. um, that's an amazing product just because it does have that waterproof seat and knees, but it breathes so well, and yeah. it's so durable, and it stretches. So that's kind of a hybrid garment you know, that we have, or, you know, if you're sitting on a saddle, you know, you're sitting in the saddle in the morning or you're going to go sit on a snow machine or an ATV or something like that. It's nice to have that, that waterproof seat. Um, but i found that a little ground pad you know that i just carry on my pack definitely helps as well yeah. my butt doesn't get as sore um, um and again that little bit of insulation
0: i'm with you i yeah. carry those you can get them for like a buck 99 down at the home and garden store these gardener oh, the pads little, yeah
2: the gardener pad oh, that, yeah that,
0: you know you put under your knees when you're bent down yep. planting your tulips in the spring or what yeah, i wouldn't yeah. know that cuz i don't garden that's my <laughs> wife's job uh but that's i just strap it to my pack it weighs three ounces four ounces maybe i, I yeah. don't know but it the comfort
2: is surely worth what little bit of weight absolutely it, it adds. especially and, over time if i mean a, a sheep hunt or something like that where you're gonna you know you're gonna be in rocky terrain you know you're gonna be glassing for long periods of time like if you can't focus and find that ram and be able to judge him effectively like you're really not doing yourself you know a favor yeah so so uh Some people
0: say, well, I never wash any of my garments that have laminates because I'm afraid it's going to hurt the laminate the membrane.
2: Yeah, it's not going to hurt the membrane. Like I said, actually what it's going to do is cut down the efficiency of the garment. And let let me go into a little more detail of why. So um, internally on the backer or the liner, um, especially if you have like a short sleeve shirt on or something like that, but even if not your body oils are going to get on that face. And again, that oil is acting as a barrier, right? That oil is essentially, um, you know, somebody standing in front of some of those doors saying, no, you can't come through here, sweat, right? We yep. call it sweat. Um, and on the outside, as you get um, dirt. <laughs> dirt or sunscreen or insect repellent, some of those things on the face, again, you're, you're cutting off some of those uh, exit points for that sweat. So it's really important to come back and, and to wash it. If you want the most efficient, the longest life, all those kind of things. And, you know, I mean, let's, let's admit it, you know, these products are investments, right? Mm -hmm. They are any kind of laminate type product, be it Gore-Tex or anything else is not inexpensive and you want to get a long life out of it. And you absolutely should, that should be the expectation. Um, But again, you you know, to do that, you should actually care for that product. So I would say, do not hesitate uh, to wash it and do not hesitate to put it in the dryer Mm -hmm. um, to kind of keep that DWR on that face um, active. I I was of that old school belief
0: until I went to your headquarters and they said, no, please wash and dry these as often as you need to. It's going to enhance their performance. Right. Because just for the reasons that, that you say yeah and
2: I have to put out a disclaimer because I I can't talk about every product in the industry right I would say our Gore-Tex products you can do that right I would say some others um I would I would I would ask the manufacturer because there's a potential I've seen it in the past where you go to dry it and this the taping on the inside will begin to peel off so Mm -hmm. um but you know a I would say a high quality product of any type that's got a laminate, you shouldn't be afraid to wash and dry it. Okay. Yeah. Well, those outer
0: layer things are, to me, that's my first defense to whatever the weather is. Absolutely. And we hunt in some miserable conditions, whether it's snow or wind or cold or whatever. I, I, I don't have the luxury of saying, well, at zero degrees, I'm gonna just shut it down for a week because we in our situation we've got film permits we paid for we've got camera guys already locked and blocked yeah. in and you so, got a job to do I, yeah. yeah and i need gear that is going to keep me as comfortable as possible no matter what those conditions are yeah. so
2: yeah it, you know and i i got to i, I got to admit that you know living in Kodiak for 15 years i mean i became i think the word is hydrophobic like <laughs> i'm ser- like i'm you know, I was I was a diver in the Navy and spent 30 years around water and the mountains and, and I, I uh I'm I'm almost scared of water anymore. So I don't like to be wet. Is really what I'm saying. And no, so I don't either. You know, I really I really make sure that you know I pick the right things for the right um for the right hunt or for the right environment. Yeah. And you know, you'd mention a lighter weight rain gear. And again, if you go lighter weight, um, you don't necessarily give up durability to get lighter weight. I mean, you could, but you don't necessarily have to, Um, but you can get increased performance. You can get a little bit uh, better breathability because again, that sandwich, so to speak, that we put together has thinner, thinner textiles together. And so it's just, you know, it's not as, um, it's not a long, as long a journey to get through that that sandwich, so you for know, the, for the sweat and evaporation. Yeah, to get you know, there. and you and I obviously were very lucky to have access to a lot of different things. Yeah. So I would I would recommend you know if somebody's if somebody lives in Arizona or New Mexico, some of these things, and you're that's where you're going to hunt most of the time. You know, you, I don't think you need to go all the way to the guide worthy storm front no. type rain gear. No. You can get away with something a little lighter, but. I would say if you're going to go on that trip to Montana for late-season rifle or you're going to go on that dream hunt for moose in Alaska, mm-hmm. you really probably do need at that point to think about upgrading to something a little more because you want to – I mean, at the end of the day, we do want to go out and enjoy ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not out hunting just to be miserable. I'm actually <laughs> trying to, to have an enjoyable time. I mean, that's why we're so passionate about this, and we have smiles on our face when we talk about it. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, you need to kind of – you know, to kind of mix and match and upgrade right. sometimes yeah, if and you're going to ev- go do something out of the ordinary. <clears throat> yeah,
0: and everybody has a budget, and Absolutely. I get that. That's why I, I think that's part of why I've become so dialed into uh, the Jetstream Timberline combination oh, is it fantastic. covers such a wide variety of conditions and yeah. circumstances now yeah if i lived in arizona and i only needed that when it was in december or january i'd probably go to one of the other uh setups but for the kind of elk hunting i do and the places i go uh th- those are the outer layers that just yeah make
2: it for me well i, so. I would say. Um, thinking on the numbers in my head. I would say that the jet stream jacket is absolutely the number one selling jacket in big game. Okay. Yep. Um and then that that combo you talk about, so it's a jet stream jacket. And then it's either the Timberline pant or the mountain pant. It's mm-hmm. one of those two, but that that trio right there is the lion's share of of kind of the Western yeah, and I when I say Western, I mean right. you know up to Canada and Alaska as well, but the kind of the Western hunters' arsenal right there. Because it, it, as we're talking
0: about this in this podcast, it's called Elk Talk, yeah, not, not Whitetail Talk. Right. Because <laughs> you, I would probably ask these questions differently if about outer layers and such. If it was something not as active, say it was tree right. stand hunting for yep. whitetails in November. Uh oh. Uh oh. It opened. It looks like well, 15 minutes, I think. I'm sorry, folks. We're just going to have to talk <laughs> a lot louder
2: to overcome that. I don't know how we're going to make this work, John, but we're going to try. So. But you know, you you mentioned whitetail, and I would say that that you know, generally speaking, I mean, the the technical answers would all be the same, mm-hmm. but the application would be different. So, you know, I I grew up in Ohio. I've hunted a lot of whitetails very unsuccessfully for the most part, but but nonetheless, I put, I literally put my time in, in the tree stand and can sit there, you know, all day, every day for 10 or 12 days, um, and then still go home with nothing. But, um, but I still say that windstopper is the single biggest technology that people don't understand for, for the whitetail guy, you know? Um, because, again, you're not – you don't have the capacity to move around. I don't want to take this into the whitetail realm, but mm-hmm. you don't have the capacity to move around, nor would you want to, in a tree stand. Right. So you you cannot generate body heat. You know, you and I have the luxury of, on, a, on an elk hunt, to get, get up, up, and up and walk, walk around. around. Yeah. Right? Get yep. up and walk around. I can stand. I can potentially do jumping jacks while you're glassing or whatever yeah. the case may be. Yeah. You know, and they don't have that opportunity. But, um, yeah, and so I would say if we're talking – desert Southwest area, even Southern Utah, you know, we're in Salt Lake now, but even Southern Utah South, I would say mountain jacket would be an amazing jacket paired with like the ascent pant. Like to me that, you know, I've hunted late season mule deer, just like you have, or I haven't hunted coos, but, um, but those, kind, of but those, but kind those of things, but I would say that would be, you know, my go-to down in this kind of neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I still always use some type of wind stopper product and then i i I would be remiss and i want to make sure that just because we're talking laminates that and i'd really kind of like to get your opinion on this as well but i see people not because we talked about hunt budgets not spend the money to buy gators right and then that leads to a bunch of miserable, yeah. miserable days in yeah. the field. I
0: <laughs> I don't go anywhere without gators just yeah. because you get that, uh, you know, you're walking through snow that's melting because you've got this heat right around your the cuff of your boot yeah. or your pants or it's wet grass or whatever. And as quick as that starts wicking down into your socks, down into your boots, up your pant leg. You quickly are miserable. Absolutely. And then if you got to stand in glass somewhere for a long time, misery comes
2: in heavy doses at that point. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm always wearing gators. If you get wet, so somebody says, well, I have, I have waterproof boots. What do I need a gator for? (laughs) I hear it all the time. Yeah. and, And like you said, wet grass, dewy brush, crossing a creek, and... If, if the top of your sock, which almost inevitably sticks out above the top of your boot, oh. gets water in it, then that capillary effect sucks it right into the boot. Now you've got wet feet, wet mm-hmm. socks, which can be dried, mm-hmm. but now the inside of your boot is wet, right. which, depending on the hunt and the environment, is not going to dry in the field. No. So you set yourself up. Mm-hmm potentially for blisters you set yourself up for uh some cold related injuries possibly at a minimum you set yourself up just for a little bit of misery, misery. and suffering yeah. that you didn't need to do so you put a gator on so you had mentioned um and i know you you've hunted a lot in oregon right and that that kind of not in oregon i haven't is it but in alaska is okay I hunt so ba- they basically kind of the same but it's yep. those those coastal temperate areas yep. um Where yeah, you can wake up and it can be completely sunny, just an absolutely gorgeous bluebird day, and you have to hike through a bunch of brush. And it's either created dew overnight because of that dew point humidity, or it's rained overnight. And people say, Well, I'm just gonna go and and hike, you know, across the slope or up to the top or whatever, not put rain pants on, not put gaiters on. And within 10, 15 minutes, you're completely soaked now from the waist down. (laughs) And again, there's, you know, and I've talked about it, there's ways to dry it out, but you're taking away from your hunting time. And so people say, well, it's not going to rain. I'm not going to bring my rain gear. It's like, no, actually I've worn probably my rain pants more when it's not raining (laughs) when in a hunting situation than when it is raining. And it's because I put them on, I put my gaiters on first, I pull my rain pants over top and then I can take off and I can cross, you know, quickly you know, even sometimes maybe almost knee-high streams if they're short, and I can go up through all that brush and dewy grass. And, you know, eventually when I get up, say, into the alpine, I can take it off. Or if I'm staying down in that low brush country, say, hunting Sitka Blacktail, I may keep on my rain pants all day, even though it's Bluebird, just to keep my lower body dry. Yeah. You know? And, and so... Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting when, you know, if you hadn't experienced that, if say you're coming from the desert south, Southwest, yeah, you'd, you'd never maybe think, think through that it. scenario until it's too late. And yeah. then you're like, geez, now what do I no, do? Now
0: I'm miserable. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I do not like my boots to get wet on the inside no. because of what you're talking about. Because if, if you're camping, a lot of times it may not be super cold, but when it's 20 degrees out, your boots don't dry that well when no. they get wet on the inside. They, no. There's this thing called ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. it you who was telling me you will sleep with your boots in your sleeping yeah. bag?
2: Yeah. I'll, depending on the hunt and what I have, I'll put them either in the sleeping bag. I've put them between the ground pad and the sleeping bag down near my feet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll use them as my first layer as a pillow. So oh. on top of my ground pad, underneath my... Uh, sleeping bag, and maybe put, if I have an extra layer, I'll put those on top. Um, just for the heat to keep the boot from freezing. Yeah, and get and it, the you know, if it's, up. so, you know, you can imagine if you're hiking all day, you do have, you do have moisture it's, in those yeah, boots. You just will. If it's cold, if it's that 20 degree scenario you're talking about, and I just take them off and put them in my tent, uh, they're going to be frozen in the morning. <laughs> they're going to be cold. They're not, and you know, and there's ways to kind of warm them up and mitigate that, but um, but so that's that's one thing that I've done. Uh, but I, I I can be wet all over. But I really truly try to keep my feet in the inside of my boots dry for you know all the reasons yeah. we've talked about. And yeah, I'm
0: I, I will go to great lengths to keep that from being yeah. being wet. Yeah. Uh, before I started using the Jetstream, I was one of those guys who hated hoods. Mm -hmm. because oh I can't hear as well or I can't hurt my peripheral vision whatever
2: now I don't go anywhere (laughs) without a hood (laughs) do you you got a preference on where that so you know it's it's really funny you mentioned this because I had this conversation the other day and and maybe a, a few months before that or before this podcast I was thinking to myself kind of what happened and you know when I was in the military and training guys for so many years, um, we were basically anti hood. And part of it was, you know, if somebody's feeling kind of like down and lonely and whatever the case may be, like it's easy to pull a hood up and, you know, and you can kind of suck back into your little sanctuary and got it. And you know, your, your mental state kind of maybe decays a little bit that aside, it also cuts off your peripheral vision. Like you yeah. absolutely, at some point, start to take yourself out of the hunt with a hood. Or at least this is what I thought. Yeah. And then also with the military applications, getting on and off helicopters, you couldn't have hoods just blowing around in the wind, you know, gotcha. so you had to tuck them away. Or... So anyways, I was kind of anti-hood. And I don't know if it's just my increasing age or my increasing <laughs> wisdom or just, or, you know, or whatever, but... The last year, year and a half, I have become a hood fan, Yeah, a hood (laughs) fan where I will have, so that BC Musant, I won't go through the full system I was wearing, but I had multiple hoods on at the same, not at the same time, but I had multiple layers with hoods on Mm -hmm. and I had no problem with that. You know, it was a colder environment. I'm riding a horse. I'm not really making a lot of heat on my own. Um at a minimum, you just pull it up, it keeps it back your neck warm, right? You yep. can pull it on for some protection. You can pull it on for heat. And a lot of the hoods that we try to craft, not all, but the vast majority, are cut to the point where they provide enough protection, but they're cut back far enough to give you peripheral vision yep. so that you're not disengaging from the hunt. You're not just kind of seeking some sanctuary. You know, some of the big puffies, when you're kind of sitting there, just kind of hunkered down, you know, you do want that sanctuary from the cold, but, Mm -hmm. um, I have become a huge fan of hoods. Some of the stuff we have, uh, for women coming out in 2019 for the big game line, I actually, well, with, with the, with the women hunters, um, insight, but we put hoods on some of the layers that the men don't have, like the new mountain jacket has a hood. And I'm like, gosh, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of the women hunters for sick because they have a hood on their mountain jacket. And I'm like, I'm going to change that. I, I'm on record right now. At some point in time, there will be a hood on the men's mountain jacket. You get my vote on that. I'm That's, so jealous.
0: You that know? is as weird as it sounds as I've become a hood fan. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why I migrate more towards the Jetstream jet because stream. it has a hood. And I, the I think that's doesn't. a real valid point. And yep. I know that's probably weird, but I used to hate hoods. I, I have I no too. idea why. But then when I started using them, I'm thinking to myself, whoa, what? What, what what they weren't cool or what was the deal, Randy? You, yeah, I don't you... know.
2: You know, and sometimes it cuts your hearing off a little bit. It does, but maybe it's because my hearing's gotten so bad. Anyhow, it's yeah. The... Well, Chris, <laughs> Chris, again, my my whitetail counterpart. He's he's doing some really interesting things. Um, you know, he's kind of done this science of sound thing, but he's doing some really interesting things with uh, hoods and beanies, etc. That mm-hmm. I, I, my guess is you'll see it begin to migrate across the line, but. Yeah, you kind of begin to cut yourself. Uh, I always felt I was cutting myself off from the environment by having a hood. And now um, I just find myself going to a more and more and more. Like I said, even in the, you know, even in the sun, just Mm -hmm. pulling it up on an antelope hunt to take the, take the sun off your neck or just give yourself a little protection for your ears. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: No, that's funny. Uh, I, it's, I, I, I get asked that question a lot. How do you deal with a hood? And so I don't think I'm too much out in the weeds as the the exception about hunters who had or have a a preference away from hoods. Uh, but now it's, if it doesn't have a hood, man, eh, I'm probably <laughs> not going to be using it. You guys, you guys can send me anything you want, but if it has a okay. it has a hood, it's going to get more used. Noted. That way. Noted. <clears throat> but so uh, other outer layer things, anything you want to give the audience? I know you, you and I both got the next thing we got to get to. Yeah, but. no, this
2: has been great because, you know, I feel like um, over the course of a few podcasts, we've been able to. To kind of walk people from base layers you know all the way out mm-hmm. and just give them a a pretty good general overview yeah. um I, I, you know and i always encourage this we go shoot our bows we go to the gym we shoot our rifles we get on you know go hunting right and i just say now is well not right this second but i would say going into shed season spring season is a perfect time to begin to you know, either take the system you have and go start to test it and think about some of the things we've talked about or, you know, maybe you buy a, a, a new piece or two and integrate it into what you've got and, and just go try it out and, and kind of think about what's going on and, and um, you know, try to find out a little bit more if you, if you don't understand why something's not working. You know, like for Sika, we have a great customer service apartment yeah. and you can call them and they'll walk you through, you know, almost any question probably you have, and if they can't answer it and it's a big game uh, question, quite frankly, they're going to come in and ask me and then I'm going to, you know, give them the answer and, and they'll go back with it. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, that's what, you know, we only have so many days to hunt in a season. Right. But the fun thing is that I can be on go hunt, for instance, every day, right? I right. can go train and test gear and shoot my bow every day, you know, yeah. and that's where it becomes a 365 kind of endeavor. Even though you may be, you know, you and I probably get to hunt a little more than most, but let's just say 30, 45 days, like out of a year, it's not a lot. What else right. are you doing? Yeah. What else what other, what other things are you doing? <laughs> For me, I'm always thinking about gear. I'm thinking about hunting. I'm I need to channel my inner accountant from you and try to figure out this uh, so full disclosure, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe take it in a slightly different direction, but full disclosure, I'm a I'm a go hunt insider now. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh quite frankly, uh, Trail, who's a right, friend right of ours here, here and yeah. and, uh, and but listening to you and uh and Corey. Yeah. And I'm not gonna say my wife is a super big fan of <laughs> Go Hunt. <laughs> um, I'll call jewels I, I actually talk about got that. yelled at on Sunday, <laughs> rightly so, <laughs> rightly so. Uh, um. because you know, Arizona apps. Yeah. They just they, passed for open yeah. Utah's coming up. I got a bunch yeah. of points. I'm trying to figure out my season. <laughs> and I just, I went deep. I uh, went deep. Uh, and uh. I'm, I'm telling you, it's one of the best. It's one of the best tools I've, I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, uh, Super easy. So I'm not yeah. uh, maybe the most uh, computer savvy as some. Mm-hmm. But just super intuitive and easy to use, and yeah. I do have to call Trail and ask him a few, <laughs> few questions well, on how to help the, me. But the part
0: I like about him, and this is a bit of a diversion, but it's not. It doesn't tell you go do this or here's our ten yeah. recommended units. It just gives you tools to do your own research and figure it
2: out. But for me to, to have access to, like, uh, I just wouldn't have the time, or quite frankly, maybe the, the know the the know uh, how to go get the information that's right at my fingertips that right. then go, oh, I have X percent chance to potentially draw this unit with these points. And then I go look at that unit and start digging in and, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you want to talk about rabbit holes. <laughs> like I, I think, you know, I know you uh, spent a lot of time on there and, yeah. and uh, I don't know why I've always been a little bit of I uh, I don't know. Wow. Sometimes I'm stubborn. You well, know, we all are, John. But, uh, that, that's
0: that's why our wives love us. So, <laughs> did you hear the the I I did uh, one of my own podcasts about marital advice. I don't think it I it. It was heard my thirtieth wedding anniversary oh, on Monday.
2: Thanks on Monday on Monday. Fantastic! Yeah. I'm coming up on twenty eight here. Are you? Yeah. So I I uh, oh.
0: I should have Jules on my podcast because we did a guy's version. <laughs> Uh-oh. The, the, the subtitle uh, I don't know is, if that's, such, the, the, idea, the, the, so. <laughs> that's such a good idea, Randy. I think so. The subtitle is How to Hunt Six Months a Year and Make It to Your 30th Wedding <laughs> Anniversary. <laughs> and it was all guys. So I said, look, oh, we got to be fair. We got to have the women on there. So now, so uh, I, I think that's
2: a great idea to have the women on. I'm just not sure. I <laughs> well, you don't want it to be your wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny. And she she's been I mean she's fantastic but you know yeah. it's like yeah anyways. <laughs> we, um, we don't want to get you in any trouble. No, John. It'd be, I I think it's a brilliant idea <laughs> uh, quite frankly. But. You'd probably get a lot of people listening just to just to hear the zingers from, oh, yeah. from Wives. Yeah, but- <laughs> for sure. It's
0: probably, it's only been out for four days, and I oh, can't okay. believe so, how, I many, I had- how many comments we've got oh, already. I can't wait to listen from to From the entire spectrum of, you're an idiot, too. That's great <laughs> advice. Why didn't I think about that? <laughs> <laughs> to a lot, a lot of them are, I don't think you quite understand, and... I made the disclaimer up front. Yeah, you're right. I don't understand. I got tunnel vision, man. I'm going hunting. And yep, I, yep. I, I got two goals in life. Stay married and hunt as much as I can.
2: Well, so it's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned this because uh, I booked my trip to come down here. Uh-huh. And, you know, my wife and I were both in the military for a very long amount of time, and we don't have children. So, you know, quite frankly, holidays, anniversaries, like it didn't, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but we celebrated when we were together, and yep. the actual date didn't matter. So yep. I've become... Maybe callous to this whole thing. So, anyways, I book my trip and I fly down yesterday, Valentine, the fourteenth of February, right? And she says, "Seriously?" And I said, "What? What? what, What's what's? A th- it's a random Thursday." She goes, "It's Valentine's Day," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." I said, "You know, it never meant really anything in the past. You know, we could celebrate Saturday, or whatever." Yeah. She goes. Yeah, but John, you're not in the military anymore. Like, you have to think about this. So then I tried to go down and like deflect. I'm really good at deflecting. Uh-huh. Um, and I said, well, you know, it's it's Western Hunt Expo's fault. Like, they're the ones that scheduled. <laughs> so, there
0: you go. You know. And, and
2: how did that go over? Uh, not, not very well. Yeah, not very well. So you know, I was. I, I mean, we had a we had a, a quite a few uh. people in the booth, but yeah, I was. I was uh there's more people here today, let's say, than there were yesterday. Okay. So anyways, I made her a beautiful dinner and we we celebrated on Wednesday. So Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you made it up. So yeah, because I want to keep hunting to my thirtieth anniversary. Right. I've got about uh you know a little over two years to make it there. All right. So
0: I'm I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that uh She's gonna get an invite. Okay. folks, didn't mean to just run it in the ditch like that. But <laughs> since Corey's not here, he's kind of the straight arrow. Yeah. You know, he yeah. keeps the conversation on track. He's an engineer. He's an engineer. by training. engineer. Exactly. You know, yeah. He's got checklists, and okay, we got this one covered. We get me. I'm just like you know, wow, whatever. <laughs> People walking by here, waving at us. And I think uh, we I, stayed on point pretty well. I think we did. Yeah. But I
2: covered a lot of ground.
0: Yeah. Now I'm. Just waiting what 's the next series of questions going to be that people are going to ask us? am I'm, I'm I'm really uh, i
2: 'm really curious uh, yeah. to to see if they want to circle back if they want to keep going yeah. deeper, if they want to talk broader yeah
0: i I suspect they're going to have questions about archery tree cutting yeah okay what if i 'm going out in September, what do we need what should I have yeah because i i 've covered a lot of ground uh, bits and pieces here and there about the late season packages and layering yeah, and stuff, yeah. but you can
2: run into some pretty diverse conditions in oh, September. Oh well, I mean the last the couple of years in September in Montana, yeah, snow. I mean the, it has been yeah. all over the board, literally from week to week. It's yeah. I mean, swing the spectrum swings from one end to the other. So, yeah. I think that's a great one because cool. you want a really versatile system, and uh, and you, the couple key pieces will really kind of carry you through. Yeah, we should we should do that. All that would right. be good. Hopefully, Corey can join us one uh, time. This I is twice so. now we've had we been I, on. And, I just don't think he likes you, John. Uh, well, I'm I was I was gonna mention that. I'm yeah. beginning to think that may be the case. But
0: uh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being
2: here. Yeah, I appreciate thanks for, it. Thanks for and having I, me. No, I love this it. show. I'm so excited to just walk around and see everybody. And yeah. Well,
0: see everything. Something tells me you got a lot of people wanting to bend your ear about technical clothing.
2: So Yeah, if I yeah. walk by the booth right now, it's going to suck me into the vortex. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the,
0: the, the time diversion? out of the booth. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for listening, folks. And uh, if you have serious gear issues, read or consume anything John Barklow from Sitka Gear talks or writes about because... What's the saying? Been there, done that. (laughs) I think in your military career, in your post military career, you're probably close to the top of the pyramid of hands on experience of technical gear. I might have to agree with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Till the next time.